You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, let's stand. We're going to turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 4. Jonah, chapter 4. One of the minor prophets, not because it's what Jonah had to say was any less important than any other book, but it's just called a minor prophet because it's short in nature. Jonah, I'll give you a couple of minutes to find it. Some of you may not even know where it's at. It's in the Old Testament, somewhere between Genesis and Malachi. All right, Jonah chapter four, we there? All right. Start with verse number one. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's a pretty short chapter, but we're going to read verse number one all the way down to the end of the chapter. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. We'll talk about why he was angry and why he was exceedingly displeased. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of this of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in his in its in sat under it in the shadow till night till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd, of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement west east wind And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, dost dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity pity on the gourd For the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Doesn't it end kind of odd? Well, the question that God asks, and we don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about signs of selfishness. Mm 
in the life of Jonah. Let's pray. Father, bless our time tonight. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here. And I just ask you, Lord, to help us to examine our hearts to see if there may be selfishness in our life. We live in such a selfish and self-centered and selfie society that it's just amazing to me, Lord, how that people have become so self-absorbed and so self-centered and yet claim to love God. So Lord, help us tonight. If there be one here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that you'd speak to them and help them, Lord, to see their need for Christ. And bless now our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now we're told in 2 Kings chapter number 14, verse 25, that the man Jonah would have lived during the time of Jeroboam II. There were two kings in the northern kingdom of Israel who were named Jeroboam. So he would have lived during, during the time of Jeroboam II. He was, as the beginning of the, 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 chap, the, the book calls, the son of Amittai, was probably born somewhere near Nazareth. And again from 2 Kings, he would have been a popular preacher of the day. Being a patriot, he loved his nation. I love America. I didn't even mention the election for 2020. Who knows? Who knows? Being a patriot who loved his nation when God called him to go down to Nineveh, he found it hard to obey that call. Because who could have blamed him? The Assyrians were known for their cruelty and ruthlessness. When an Assyrian uh, king uh, would capture a city, he would execute the king of that city and sever his head and bring it home on a pole, put it in his banquet hall for a time, probably till it got the Lazarus syndrome, you know, it stinketh. And, but then he would take it out and nail it to the gate of the, over the gate of the city to rot. They were known for their cruelty. So when God comes to Jonah in the first chapter and says, I want you to go down into Nineveh to preach to them, well, Jonah went the other direction. He got on a ship and made his way toward Tarshish. And, and, and we know the, the, the narrative of what, of what took place there, that they, they were in the ship and a storm came and the sailors were praying to their gods and they were asking Jonah, well, what's your occupation? What does he tell them? He said, well, I'm a prophet of God. And, and, and he tells them this. This amazes me. But as you read chapter 4, like four different times, Jonah says, I, I'm ready to die. And he said, well, I know why God brought this storm. You got to throw me overboard. And these heathen, listen, these heathen sailors had more integrity than Jonah did. They tried to save his life, but he finally said, you got to cast me overboard. And, and he was cast overboard and God prepared a great fish and he swallowed up Jonah. And uh, so we know that. We, we read that in the, in the book. Now, I, I don't believe, listen, I don't believe for a moment that Jonah was a coward. 
He was a will. He was a willful, strong prophet who saw. He saw God's mercy on the city of Nineveh to be a mistake. And, and, and he had this mindset. He had this mindset. He, he had, the mindset was so strong in him that he was, listen, willing to, to die to not do what God told him to do. Willing to give his life up to not do what God told him to do. He feared God, yet he ran from the... From God and deliberately refused to be used of God. He had a great ability to preach the word. You see that in the middle chapters. He goes into the city of Nineveh and a revival breaks out. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But he had a great ability to preach the word of God, but he refused to answer the call of God in his life. And I, and I really believe that the book of Jonah is more about Jonah than it is a, written by Jonah. It's a book about Jonah. There's no author that's given. And it, I, I also believe that it is a powerful narrative to us on what happens when a believer gets selfish. Oh, there's so much here in these four little chapters. And you, know, you can probably... Your pastor could probably spend uh, seven or eight, ten weeks on a series on the book of Jonah. So, but I, I, I want to focus here on some indicators from chapter 4 that tell us that Jonah was a selfish believer. Can I share them with you? Number one, the first sign that I think Jonah was selfish was that he, he quit. Look at verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. Now, again, you, you, you go back into, we're not going to have time to, to do this, but if you go back into chapter number two, you read about the fact that, that from the belly of that fish, he spent three days and three nights in whale college, you know. Uh, from the belly of that fish, he prayed and God caused the fish to... Vomit Jonah up on the shore. And I mean, just listen, just as soon as his feet hit the ground, he's making his way to Nineveh to preach what God told him to preach. Making his way to where God told him to go. So, so we see that. And, and when we read about all of that, we, here's what happened. Here's what happened when, when God had that fish Vomit Jonah up on the shore. Well, number one, there was a renewed commission in his life. Look at chapter three, verse one. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go, to, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Which, by the way, if you go back to chapter one and look at verse two, those two verses are very, very similar. So the, the call of God comes to Jonah again, but by this time, Jonah, somebody said it this way, how many times you got to be hit in the head with a two, two by four before you finally go, oh, wait a minute. Yep. You know, how many times you got to get swallowed up by a great fish before you finally go, oh, I think God's trying to get my attention. Right. Yep. So we had this renewed, listen, he had this renewed Commission in, in his life. 
we could go this direction. I don't, I don't want to do this, but I've just had this thought. You know, we could go this direction with this. You know, God's chastening in our life is designed not to grind us into the ground, but to do what? To restore us. To bring us back to that place where God can use us once again. Amen? It's not meant to, to punish us. I grew up in a home with four sisters, and I know that my dad's chastisement in my life was not for correction. He's trying to get up, make up for all those times he didn't catch me doing the bad stuff that I did. But God's chastening is different. It's not punishment. It's designed to restore us. So the call comes again in the life of Jonah, and he says, all right, Jonah, you didn't listen the first time, but here it is again. Go to that great city of Nineveh and preach what I tell you to preach. Aren't you glad tonight that God is a God of second and third and fourth? And and, and you complete the number. Aren't you glad that God is a a God of multiple chances that he gives us in our lives? So there was this... Renewed commission. Number two, there was an obedient service. Look at verse two. And he tells him, arise, go to Nineveh. So look at verse three. So Jonah did what? He arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That self-will that he had that drove him to go to Tarsus and not go to where God told him to go was replaced with ready obedience. And repentance replaced a self-focused desire. Now, this is awesome because, you know, there's the expected end of what God told him. Look, look at verse... Um, uh, verse number, uh, let's see. I want to go this. Let's see. Um, all right, look at verse 7 of chapter 3. I'm sorry. And, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king. This is the king now is saying a decree to the, to, of the king of the no, and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Look at verse 10. And God saw their works that they turn from their evil way. You know what that means? That means that they repented. They turned, that's what the word repent means. It means I'm going this direction, I'm gonna turn and go this direction. They repented of their sin. And God, look at verse 10, and God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them. What does that mean? Does, Does God need to repent like us? No, it just simply means this, God changed his mind. He changed his mind. So you see what I'm saying is this, that 
that, that the expected end that God desired took place. <laughs> the king, the nobles, even the animals put on sackcloth. So what does that mean? Well, I really don't know other than this. You know, when we, I, I can remember as a kid, I was talking to this, somebody the other day about this. When I was in the fourth grade, President Kennedy got assassinated and my parents stayed, made me stay home. We were out of school for the funeral. My parents made me stay home and watch that funeral all day long. Fourth grade, watching a funeral, come on. And I, but, I, but I do recall this in my mind, and I've seen it since then, is that they have horses that carry the boots. Of, you remember this, they have horses that carry the boots of the president in stirrups, and they're turned backwards in the stirrups. And the horses are draped. So it's not unusual for animals to be draped as a sign of mourning. So God said the animals are going to wear sackcloth. I mean, the animals had revival breakout. Can you see the donkeys getting together? Going, oh, 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 I'm saved. They had a revival. So God, listen, God sent Noah in to preach the book, preach the word, and, and it has had its impact. God was true to his word. He repented of the evil. It means this, that he changed his mind. Man, I mean, what pastor wouldn't want to see that? When you got cats, that a lot of cats are demon possessed. I'm sorry if you love cats, but I'm just telling you, cats getting right with God. Amen. I mean, can I, that's a miraculous thing, isn't it? So they had this, this great result. And I mean, what pastor wouldn't want to see a great revival breaking out in his church? But chapter 4, verse 1 is kind of a little bit of a downer. Can I say it that way? It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. Now, why do you think he was angry? Well, he was angry because these people that listened that he hated got right with God. His attitude was selfish. What a contrast we have between God's attitude toward Nineveh after its repentance and Jonah's attitude. Jonah had received, here's the, the amazing part of this. He had received pardoning mercy. But he wasn't willing to extend that pardoning mercy to these people of Nineveh that needed God's mercy. That's right. Yeah. So he quit. He went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. Second sign of selfishness. He went into the mode of self-protection. So where do you see that? Well, look at verse 5. And there made him a booth. <laughs> he made him a little tabernacle to sit under because he just knew that God was going to zap these people. That's the reason why he did it. Mode of self-protection. Now, look at, look at God's 
can I say it this way, air quote time, look at verse 4, God's mild reproof of Jonah. Look Look what God says to him, doest thou, or is it dost thou, or doest thou, is it potato, potato, tomato, tomato, I don't know. Is it doest thou, whatever, whatever. But God looks at him, he says, are, are you doing okay here to be angry? And Jonah's selfishness is seen in his statement here, and he built him a, a booth. Uh, if there had been somebody out there selling popcorn, right? He's going to watch the show. He figures, all right, now God saved these folks, but he's still, there's still a slight chance he's going to zap them all, Right? So we went into a mode of self-protection. Can I help you today? <laughs> this is so weird because of COVID, but you and I cannot follow God from a shelter. You know that? Now I have to admit, now listen, okay. So we had the lockdown, we closed the school, sent all the students home in March, right? And uh, so we stayed at home and we designed some things on our computer to do school, you know, let the students finish out the semester. And it was hard for us old people to try to think outside the box. You know, you've heard that statement, right? Uh, Using computers and design, you know, platforms and all of these different things. So I've had to learn to to, to be an instructor or a college teacher, learn some different things. You know, we didn't get to go to church, I think for six weeks, I think we were, sitting at home watching Live TV, you know, it's live stream television. I was listening to, how many know Tommy Stone is? Brother Mike had a Tommy Stone uh, CDs. How many ever heard the song Excuses? You know, excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. That preacher, he's too young or maybe he's too old or, you know, that preacher, he must be the world's most stuck up man because I heard some stuck up woman say, he didn't even shake my hand. You got to find that. It's, it's a great song. So I'm thinking we need to write one for COVID. Right? Because I'm afraid there are a lot of Christians using COVID as an excuse to not be right here. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. I, I, it, is, it is a reality. I know it's a reality. You know, and and I understand that, but I'm afraid that a lot of people, when they can come back, they won't come back. So you can't follow God from a shelter. I love your governor. Man. Now, our governor's a Republican, and he's kind of pushing back on the nation, you know, statewide mask mandate. We have a mask mandate in in Oklahoma City, and you go into stores, you got to wear a mask and all this stuff, and... You know, you go into a store and you got the mask police going around. Citizens arrest, citizens arrest. If you don't have your mask on. And I understand all of that. But the day's going to come when this COVID thing's going to go the way of the dodo bird, hopefully. And people need to be back in church. But for a while there, drinking coffee, sitting in my lazy boy, going to church. I kind of liked it. I have to admit, my flesh enjoyed it. But then when it's time to go back, I'm telling you, I miss the fellowship. Yes, sir. I miss getting to go. And even if we can't shake hands, we can do elbows, we can do fist bumps. I figured this out. 
One elbow's a handshake, two elbows is a hug. Amen? Okay. But you can't serve God from a shelter. Second thing is this, you can't follow God and protect yourself. Did you get that? Selfishness seeks after self-protection. Selfishness fears that people will undervalue us. And really though, he did what God told him to do outwardly, but inwardly he was filled with a rebellious spirit. Third thing that showed that Jonah was selfish was that he became a spectator. Verse 5, look what it says. And he sat, right, on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of of the city. Selfish people become spectators. Selfish people don't want to get involved. Selfish Christians aren't concerned with anything other but their own selfishness. Selfish people would rather sit on the sidelines and let everybody else do the work than take the credit for it. He became selfish. He became a spectator. Number four, he exaggerated the situation. Look at verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take thy beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He got as angry. He's angry that God spared the city of Nineveh, and rather than accept, oh, accept the responsibility of what God told him to do, he said, I'd rather die exaggerated the situation. Now, that's not the first time people have done this in the Bible. Did you know Moses did the same thing? Exaggerated the situation. He said, God, kill me. Joshua, when they got defeated at Ai, said, have you brought us out here to die? Yes, right. Elijah. When he challenged the prophets of Baal to a contest and God proved himself that he was God, went and he got that little love note from Jezebel and he went and sat under a juniper tree and he said, God, I'm no better than, I'm, than my fathers. Kill me. It's amazing how often we get to that place in our life where we exaggerate the situation. Peter did. After Jesus got nailed to the cross, he got with his disciples and he said, I go a fishing. Now let me say this, there's nothing wrong with going fishing. But Peter's attitude was not that he's going to go on a fishing trip and then come back and start preaching. His attitude was this, I'm not doing this anymore. They nail you to a cross. Which by the way they did. They nailed Peter to a cross. He exaggerated the situation. Jonah was at the place in his life where he'd rather die than accept the reality of what God had done. He would rather die than to know that God would show 
mercy. Hey, listen, he'd rather die than to see God's will done in his life. So selfish people, they quit. They seek self-protection. They become spectators. They exaggerate. So where does that bring to us? Well, I didn't tell you this a minute ago, but we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to give you some ways to overcome selfishness. The pastor, when he got into Philippians 2 today, I thought, oh man, I better change my message. But then he tells, tells me he gets in Philippians 2 about every week, so, which is okay. It's a great chapter. But we're going to look at the life of Christ. And I'm going to give you some ways to overcome selfishness. You ready? Number one, humility overcomes selfishness. I've heard it defined this way. Humility is thinking lowly of yourself. In, in reality, I've kind of refined that a little bit. I think humility is not thinking about yourself at all. Okay? Humility overcomes selfishness. You said, well, where do you see that? Look at verse 3 of Philippians 2. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in what? What's the next phrase? Lowliness of mind. Lowliness of mind. Christ made himself of no reputation. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that he set aside his deity, but for that short amount of time, 33 and a half years, he walked on the earth as a man. He laid aside not his deity, but his reputation, his glory, almost like he took it off like a coat and set it aside, made himself of no reputation. Christ humbled himself. Look at verse 8. And being found in a fashion as a man, what does it say? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Listen, listen, even the death of a cross. Listen, there was no more, I'm going to say this. There was no more humbling death than to die the death of crucifixion. Yes, sir. And that's what Jesus did. Selfish people are not humble people. They are filled with pride. Jonah was filled with pride. Number two, selfish people think or focus on others. Again, look at verse three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind. Look look at this. Let each esteem other better than themselves. I get, I was going to say sick, but I just did. So I get sick of listening to people say, your problem is you just have a low self-esteem. You know what I, my spiritual word for that is? (laughs) Get over yourself. I I, I don't find anywhere in the Bible that says I have to have a good self-esteem to love you. 
But I do find this, that I have to love God first. And if I love God first, I'm going to love you the way that I'm supposed to. There, there's nothing in the Bible, Pastor, that says that you are to have a, a good self-image. Yeah. Right? Right. You're right. Let each esteem other better than themselves. And so the word esteem means this, to reduplicate. What does that mean? Well, that means that I am to reduplicate my love for you so that you can love me. Reduplicate. That's what that word esteem means. We live in a selfie-oriented society. I can't take selfies. I, 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 you know, I'm an old guy. I don't know how to do that stuff. When we go out on a walk, you know, we were doing a walk after the, during the shutdown. It's my wife's birthday. I'm not going to tell you what birthday it was, but, uh, so this will give you a little hint. We went on route 66. Okay. And we went to Red Rock Canyon. Is that the name of that place? It's a state park. And we went on this walking trail, you know, and it's her birthday. We went to Sonic, you know, big spender. We got a corn dog and a, and a Route 44. And if you've never been to Sonic, you've missed something in your life. You have a void in your life you need to get filled. We had a corn dog and a Route 44 cherry, no, no, cranberry limeade. I'm telling you, make you slap your pappy. It tastes so good. I was telling Brother Chad that yesterday, we've come up with a new sandwich at his restaurant, at his place. You ready? Uh, Brother Heath, was it you said in my, your pastor, that picture of a guy with talking about man bun and skinny jeans? Okay. So we've come up with a new sandwich for Brother Chad to design called the man bun. <laughs> a triple layer, right? Triple layer hamburger with... Kobe Jack cheese in between Chipotle ranch dressing and on top you got onion rings and on top of the bun hold with, holding it down with toothpicks cheese curds. Yeah. Call it the man bun. It's about 4,000 calories. So as a side order you give them the skinny fries. There you go. I'm telling you. It's a bestseller right there. Selfish. We are a selfish people. Jonah was angry in verse 1, but in verse 6, this is kind of interesting. He was glad for the gourd, but angry because the people of Nineveh repented. So we need to learn to focus on others. Here's the third way we overcome selfishness. Serving others. Look at verse 7 of Philippians 2. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a what? What's the word? Servant and was made in the likeness of men. John 13. The disciples. He's washing their feet. And they look at him like, what is he doing? And Peter says, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. And he said, well, 
Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you're not in your mind. He said, okay, Lord, give me a bath. Right? But he humbled himself. I can't, you know, in most feasts, they would have a designated servant who would wash the peoples that were invited to the feast, wash their feet. Can you think of anything that's more nasty than to wash somebody's nasty, dirty feet? We had a youth rally one time. And they had this game, had a wash tub. Had water in it. Had little pieces of hot dog floating around in it. You know what's coming next, right? So the guys had to take their shoes off and dip in there with their toes and pick up a hot dog and put it in the mouth of the other guy. Some guy takes his white socks off and he has all this white lint between his toes. Sticks his toes down there, picks it up. Two weeks later, one of the guys got athlete's foot on his lip. I mean, you know, it just, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But here's Jesus washing the disciples' feet, serving others. Selfish people serve no one but themselves. Self-service is a good thing when you're pumping gas, but it's not when you're serving God. Verse 16 of chapter 2, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to finish up here. Verse 16, look at this. Here's the, the fourth way, and that is this. Look at verse 16. Holding forth what? The word of life. Holding out the Bible. Listen, people need God's word, don't they? In this day and age when fear is so rampant in America and the world today, people need to know, listen, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope. Holding forth the word of life. You ought to be reading the Bible daily. You ought to be sharing the word of God with others. God's word will make us unselfish people. Jonah was so self-focused, he forgot the call of God to preach the word. And then the last thing that I want to look at, how to overcome selfishness. Verse 17 of chapter 2 of Philippians. Yea, if if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith... I joy and what's the next phrase? Rejoice with you all. Fourth way you overcome selfishness. Or number five is you rejoice in the Lord. You ought to be rejoicing in the mercy that God's shown you. You ought to be rejoicing in the mercy that God shows in the life of others. Profound, deep question right here. How many got up today? Let me see your hands. Is that a trick question? You got up today. You know why? Because of God's mercy. Yes, sir. Amen. You ought to rejoice in that. But Mike Steen has an uncle, what, 92 years old? Uncle Art is in the hospital, dying of, probably dying of COVID, 92 years old, ready to go home. He's 92. He's lived his life. Yes, but listen, listen. It can happen to any of us. None of us have any guarantees. We're going to get in the car and hopefully go back to Oklahoma City tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. You ought to rejoice in the fact that God gave you another day of life today. Amen. So here are some questions, and I'm done. Here are some questions. Number one, have you quit? So wait a minute, now I'm here. But are you at that 
place in your life that if things don't go the way you want them to go, that you're just going to quit. Selfish Christians, well, they quit. Are you in self-protection mode? You can't, listen, you can't follow God and protect yourself. You have to have God there to protect us. Selfish people are self-protective. Selfish people are spectators. And selfish people exaggerate the situation. Listen, 120,000 people in Nineveh needed what Jonah had. And there are people in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that need what you have. Yes, amen. You have a God that loves you. They need to know that God can love them just like he loved you. They need what you have. I think, I, I hadn't thought about this, but I was reading something in a book in preparation of the message that just made me think about it. You know, Jonah's a great book on missions. Isn't it? He didn't go to the, he didn't go to city of Israel. He went to an, a heathen city that he hated. Missions right there in the book of Jonah. You just finish your missions conference. Some of you need to get involved in faith promise missions. You still got time. I haven't, there's probably cards laying out there. You need, you need to fill out one of those cards and trust God. Get involved. 120,000 people in Nineveh needed what Jonah had. I see as a dominant thing, God's love is ever seeking to save that which is lost. God had pity. Jonah should have had pity, but he didn't. And you and I need to have pity on people's lives. Are you selfish tonight? Are you selfish? Father, now we ask you to bless. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to look in your word, to see the life of one of your prophets who was, gave us an example of what Christians shouldn't be, of selfishness, self-focused, self-absorbed, living their life totally consumed with what they want. And what they desire and not what others need. So God, I just ask you to show yourself evident in our lives. Lord, help us to not be selfish people. But to be people who esteem others better than ourselves. People who are lowly in mind, who are humble, who hold forth the word of life. And who rejoice every day at the goodness of God. So now bless the invitation hymn, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.